Good morning, friends. Good morning. Um, we do this every so often, but man, can we just appreciate the worship team and how much amazingness is up here? We are blessed indeed. Uh, good morning. My name is Brent. If you do not know me, um, I will tell you the most important thing about me right now in this moment is that I do not like the heat. Um, so that's all you need to know about me in the summertime is I don't like the heat. If it's hot outside, you probably shouldn't talk to me. I'm kidding. Um, I've actually been uh, pretty happy the past week. It's been a little cooler, but exchange, it's been much more humid and kind of muggy. So I don't like that very much. I look forward to the crisp fall air. I don't know about you. Most people I talk to are like, I want summer to go on forever. And I'm like, man, get thee behind me. Um, I'm just kidding. A few announcements for us this morning. Uh, first and foremost, next Sunday after third service is our church picnic. It's going to be awesome. Uh, I'm very excited for it. I hear there's going to be like a street taco situation going on. So I am all for that. Glory. Hallelujah. Uh, and then some, probably some water related stuff, water slides, something like that. Um, I'm sure Darius will have some sort of like super soaker thing going around terrorizing all the children. Uh, it's going to be a great time. Invite your neighbors, invite your friends, invite your family. It's going to be happening next Sunday after third service, our last church picnic of the summer. And then we have a, a bunch of announcements relating to things that are like ramping up. And this period of the year to me, where are my roller coaster people at? Do you like roller coasters? Raise your hand if you like. Yeah, there we go. Yeah, yeah. I should have had you raise both hands like, no. Um, I'm a big fan of roller coasters. I was deathly terrified of them until my dad forced me to ride the Timberhawk at Wild Waves. And he's like, it's okay. It's made of wood. I'm like, dad, that does not make it better. Um, but I, I wrote it and I was like, this is amazing. So I love roller coasters. But this season of the year to me just feels like that long like upstretch before the drop because we're kind of ramping up into a bunch of things that are happening in the fall. School gets back on, a bunch of other like activities, groups resume. So a few of those things, we have a back to mops night happening uh, this Tuesday at 6.30 p.m. And if you are involved in mops or if you want to get involved in mops, mothers of preschoolers, uh, that'd be a fantastic time to check it out. I'm not sure what all they're going to have there, but I'm sure it's going to be amazing. We have an awesome team uh, involved in our mops stuff. So that is happening um, this Tuesday at 6.30 p.m. And then uh, we have Royal Rangers kicking back off again as well. You may have seen the extravagant table that they have out in the foyer. A ton of awesome stuff out there. It looks fantastic. If you want to know more information about Royal Rangers, you can stop at the table after service. They'd be happy to show you all about it. It's going to be amazing. And then we have other various ministries kicking off in a couple of weeks. Uh, if you've been really looking to get connected, if you're one of those people that just kind of feels that slowness of, of the, the end of summer, you know, just in that like that holding pattern period of like things aren't starting yet, but there's not that much going on. Uh, this is a, a great time to start keeping it in your mind to get connected, get plugged in. We'll have more info about all of our groups that are going to be starting back up again and ways to get plugged in soon. And without further ado... I would like to introduce, you may know him, and if you, you've definitely seen him with that shirt, uh, Pastor Darius is going to bring the word for us this morning. Uh, yeah, if you have any problems with my preaching today or any complaints you want to lodge, my email address is brent at mrccnow.org. <laughs> 
such a stupid joke. Um, but for those of you who laugh, it's a great joke. Uh, my name is Darius, and I am uh, one of the pastors here at Mount Rainier Christian Center. I live in Enumclaw on Garfield Street. My address is none of your business. No, I'm kidding. It's, I'm on Garfield Street. Um, I am really, really glad to be a part of this church and this church family, and just thankful because I've been in ministry. Uh, I've been a pastor for uh, my 11th year as a, in ministry. I've been here at MRCC for two years, and it's just a privilege uh, to, be, to be in God's ministry, to be a part of God's church. So anyway, I love you guys. Thanks for letting me be here this morning. Um, my, my wife and I have been here again, like I said, for two years. Uh, we've been married for 11 years. Anybody else over 10 years of marriage? Woo-woo! Nice. I just want to be in a club so we can make fun of all the people who have been married for less than 10 years. <laughs> what a bunch of losers. <laughs> not really. Uh, but anyway, yeah, we've been married for 11 years. We have no kids. God has not given us any children. He is more than welcome to uh, at whenever he wants. But we do have a dog. And we have been raising kids for 10 years because we were in youth ministry for nine of those years. So praise God. Um, we're going to jump into the Bible this morning. We're going to look at Joel, a book in the book in the Old Testament. It's a prophetic book. Um, it's right after the book of Hosea. If you're looking for it, just if you hit Isaiah, keep thumbing. It's back there between Isaiah and the New Testament. Um, we're looking at chapter 2, verses 28 and 29. So when you get there, we'll read that. I'll read it out loud for you. I'm going to read it off the screen instead of off my phone. Can I get that on the screen? Thank you. Oh, I'll read it off this screen because that one's broken. Okay. It says this, and it shall come to pass afterward that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams and your young men will see visions. And uh, the rest of verse 29, actually, it says, uh, even and again on the male and female servants, I will pour out my spirit in those days. I just want to pray really quick because I love uh, having fun together as a church. I love being able to laugh together as a church. Uh, I love uh, talking and studying the Bible and getting into uh, the, the understanding of the Bible. And I think that's all powerful. But the thing that I think our church needs most is the spirit in the presence of God. I think that we can do all this stuff. And, 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 and I, like the word of God is powerful, right? Hebrews 4, 12, it says the, well, the word of God is living and it's active. It's sharper than a two-edged sword. It pierces and divides down to the soul and the spirit, the bone and the marrow, discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. The word of God is powerful, fruitful, and effective. In Isaiah 55, it says the word of God will not go out and return to him empty. The word of God is powerful, but the word of God without the spirit and the presence of God does not do what the word of God is intended to do. So we can have all of the Bible study and Bible teaching that we want to have, but if we don't have the spirit and the presence of God permeating and saturating the teaching of the word of God, we have nothing. So God, in Jesus' name, I beg that you would pour out your spirit today. We don't need to hear from a preacher. We need to hear from a savior. We don't need to hear a message. We need to encounter your presence. And so God, all across this room, all across this city, all across this region, we pray that your spirit would be welcomed in your church, celebrated among your people. Holy Spirit, right now, just like we sang earlier, we want a fresh wind 
of you. We want a holy fire, a new revival in your presence, Holy Spirit. So God, wash over us today. Breathe life into us today. In Jesus' name, everybody said amen. Good job. You guys nailed it. Uh, the message is titled Old School. That's why we have this sweet graphic. As you can see here, this guy is old school because he's got a cassette tape player. You guys remember those? We had CDs in my house when I was a kid, but I, my dad has a cassette collection. Uh, we listened to Billy Joel Glass Houses, the album, on cassette tape about 9,000 times. Old school is interesting because old school, like this picture, for some of you, you see a cassette player, you're like, oh, that's new technology. <laughs> I, that just came out, right? And for some of you, you see a cassette player. Like I, I help with the youth ministry, and so I hang out with a lot of what they call Generation Z children. And um, like cassette players to them are like dinosaurs, much like myself to them. And uh, it's, it's like relative. Like for, for some of you, old school, in, in old school, if you're not familiar with the terminology, old school is something that's nostalgic and cool from your past, Old school, right? It's like, oh, we used to do it old school. Old school is like, oh, that's that's how it used to be in the old school. And old school stuff is this. Old school stuff is stuff that is old. There you go. And also is school. No, I'm kidding. Old school stuff is stuff that is old and it doesn't get worse with age. It gets better the farther away you get from it. For instance, August 16th was Elvis, the anniversary of Elvis Presley's death. Now, sadly, he passed away. He was 42 years old. But Elvis Presley, to me, only gets better with age. I heard the song Jailhouse Rock come on the other day, and I was like, this song is, as the kids say, a banger. It's like, it's like still the greatest song ever, dude. It should be at the top of the charts. I love Elvis. Some of you, like, that's old school. You're like, oh, yeah, I remember how we used to do it. I remember. I can't, I can't move my hips like that because we're online right now. and We will get censored, but I can do it. I'm just not going to. For some of you old school, it's like the Beatles. Like, I'm not a huge, I, the Beatles are cool. But for some of you, the Beatles, like that's, you're like, oh, that's old school. Like, that was what we did. We, we were the Beatles. Like, we love the Beatles. For some of you, it's like Leonard Skinner. In 1976, when my uncle Randy, who is from Arkansas, graduated high school there's a picture of him with a baby powder blue tuxedo on he's got bright blonde hair almost too bright it's like overexposed in the picture it's just all white it comes down to here it's just wavy and long he looks like he's like 5'11 weighs about 100 pounds and he's got the tiniest blonde mustache 1976 their graduating song Freebird! <laughs> if you've never heard Freebird, that's an that's a old school, that's a good song. For some of you, it's, the 70s, it's not the 70s, it's the 80s. You're all about John Bon Jovi. That's old school. That's how we used to do it. You know what I'm talking about? It's the one they play at every game. And there's always a YouTube video of some guy who's hilariously dancing to that song. <laughs> I can't believe he did that. Anyway, that's like old school for you. Get to the 90s. Right? Some of you, this is old school for you. Little TLC action. Don't go chasing waterfalls. Two people and a bunch of people that are laughing, okay? <laughs> I'm not I'm not laughing at you. They are. For me, old school is like Justin Timberlake, Britney Spears, and Eminem. I didn't expect a lot of applause for Eminem. That's okay. 
He's the greatest rapper of all time. Also, people don't like him. I get it. The funny thing is, the funny thing is, that new that new Disney movie, Frozen, I hear that, like, my wife will put, like, a Disney playlist on, and Elsa will start going, let it go, let it go, can't hold it back anymore. And I'm like, dang, that, that, that new Disney movie's dope. And then we'll be with, like, teenagers, and they'll be like, oh, this really takes me back. That's old school. I'm like, oh, takes you back when? Six months ago? The movie came out nine years ago. I'm getting older, so I'm in my 30s. So, like, old school is not one certain period of time. That's my point. Old school, for all of us, is a concept that's relative to something that happened in our life. Old school faith is faith for today that is timeless. Old school faith is a gospel that was written before the foundation of the world, but is still just as powerful, just as prevalent, just as life-changing, and just as needed in God's church today. Old school faith is the Holy Spirit, the same one from the book of Joel that was written over 500 years before Jesus was born. And that same spirit that prompted Joel to write that verse is prompting us to follow Jesus and live in healing and live abundantly and have God transform us and give him his give him our hurt and our brokenness so that he can change our life today that's old school faith it's timeless and it gets better the farther away we get so today amen i want to talk about three things that i think old school faith is in essence because i think this this scripture joel chapter 2 28 and 29 it's saying something to us today it's reminding us man we still have (laughs) we still have a who is working for us, a savior who is praying for us, a God who loves us and a presence that is for us in the name of Jesus. Still today, old school faith. One, old school faith has attitude. That's from my 90s people. No one else liked you, but I do, okay? Old school faith has attitude. Like Elvis, Elvis had to have had attitude to be successful at what he did. Because if you don't know, like, well, I haven't seen this movie, but there's like a new Elvis movie that just came out. And I'm like, it looks cool, but do I really want to pay $15 to watch an Elvis impersonator for two hours? <laughs> Can I just go to Las Vegas? Anyway, but but the genuine story is like, they did not want Elvis to dance the way he danced on TV. And when you watch it now, like you watch Elvis like doing his like little thing, you're like, oh, that's that's calm. But at the time, they would only film him on TV from like the chest up because they're like if if our children see this hip swing they will worship the devil and i'm not saying they were wrong i'm just saying that's what they said and they would go tell elvis right they would be like elvis listen people do not like the hips they do not like the gyrating you've got to go on tv in 10 minutes so just stand still and play the guitar and he'll go hold on what's over here I just don't know if I can. I want to start dancing. I just start, I start moving. And they'll be like, no, Elvis, listen. You cannot do that. And he'll go, okay, I'm going to do it. Okay, I can do it. I can be still. I got two months at the county jail. And then just like, bam, it would just go. And he could, like, he just wouldn't stop for anyone. He wouldn't stop for anyone. He had attitude. He knew who his boss was. And apparently it was his hips. His hips told him what to do. When I say old school faith has attitude, 
I'm not talking about an attitude that says no to authority. I'm not talking about an attitude that says, no, I get to do what I want. I'm talking about an attitude of surrender. The attitude that Joel calls us to in chapter two, the attitude that Jesus calls us to is an attitude of surrender. The attitude that Jesus calls us to is an attitude that says, whatever God has, I want it. Whatever God does, I need it. Whatever God says, I'll obey it. That is the attitude that I'm talking about. Not an attitude that says, no, I do what I want, but an attitude of surrender that I would lay my life down for Jesus. That I would lay my life down, not just for Jesus, but I would lay my life down to Jesus. Here's why. is because my life... My life is full in his hands and broken in mine. Some of us in this room, I'll just say all of us in this room, myself included, have yet to fully surrender every part in each part of our heart, our soul, and our life to Jesus. Maybe today there's bitterness that you have yet to surrender to Jesus. Maybe you're watching online and there is hurt that you have yet to surrender to Jesus. Maybe you're sitting here and there are places of disobedience. Maybe you have surrendered to your money, but you have not surrendered your money to Jesus. Maybe you're sitting in this room and you have not submitted your marriage and surrendered your marriage to Jesus. The reason that there's so much brokenness in marriages and in families and it might not feel like it on, at our church because what we all do on Sunday morning is we all get to looking our best and then we pretend to be our best and then we walk into the room where we try to be our best and then we sit here hoping that we'll hear something that will make us be our best. And so I think sometimes we sit in this room and we forget that this is a room of broken sinners that need Jesus. And God is not asking you for your best. He's asking you for your surrender. This is what's amazing is Jesus didn't die for the Sunday morning version of you. Some of us, I think we hear like you need to surrender in the temptation, even in my own heart. The temptation is for me to say, yeah, Jesus, I'm going to surrender. And then finally, when I've given everything up to you and I've given away every vice and I've given up every disobedience and I've given up everything that I shouldn't be doing and I've given up every uh, place in my heart that's hard and every anger and bitterness and disobedience, then you and I will be good. Can I tell you something? Jesus didn't die for the surrendered version of you. He died for the current version of you. He died to have relationship with you. Now, on the process, surrendering to Jesus looks like being healed by Jesus. Because whatever we surrender to him, the potter can do what he will with. And our soul will be restored, healed, and complete. Our soul will be restored, healed, and complete, ultimately in heaven, in the hands of Jesus. So it doesn't just mean, well... Jesus likes this version of me, so I'm not going to change. No, it means Jesus wants me so that he can do whatever he will with my life. The interesting thing about um, Joel chapter 2, verse 28 and 29 is this, is it has this word poured out. This word poured out. It says, uh, in, in the, it shall come to pass afterwards that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. That word pour is cool because the word pour, as it's used here in Joel, 
It appears all over the Old Testament. Same word, same Hebrew word. Eventually it was translated into the Greek, but the same Hebrew word that's used for poor. She's all over the Old Testament. And the way that the word poor is used in the Old Testament every time with, with almost, with very few exceptions is the blood of the offering is poured out on the altar. The sacrifice is poured out. There's a, there's a reason that here God is saying, I'll pour out my spirit on you with the same language that he would say, I pour, the blood of the sacrifice is poured out for you. It's because Jesus's surrender is our victory. Let me say that one more time. It's because Jesus's surrender is our healing, wholeness, and victory. There is no way for your surrender to save you or to cause you to be in good grace with God. But the surrender of Jesus that Jesus poured out his life, that you and I would have life, that surrender secures victory for me and you today. It's been poured out. And Jesus says, the same way that I've poured out my blood for you, I'm pouring out my spirit on you. And because my blood was poured out on over you, my spirit can be poured out into you. Surrender is what old school faith is about because surrender is what Jesus is all about. So let me just, just encourage you with this today. There might be places in your life that you need to surrender. Jesus has already won the victory over those areas of your life, but he's inviting you to surrender today. My wife, when she was younger, uh, she... <laughs> She, I already told her I told this story, and then she said, uh, that's embarrassing. And then I said, well, can I tell it again? And she said, sure, go ahead. And so when she was, she was put in foster care when she was a kid, and then finally she was placed with her uh, adopted grandmother. And um, she knew from having, like, inconsistent parenting that, like, adults and authority figures weren't always trustworthy people. As a matter of fact, in her experience, most of the time, they weren't trustworthy people. And so she developed a saying when she was like nine, 10 years old and her adopted grandmother would say, you need to go do this right now. And she would say, you're not my boss. God is my boss. <laughs> I don't know how her theology was then. She was a kid. But I know that if I had said that to my dad, I would have said, you're not my boss. God is my, <laughs> and it would have been, Hit in the head halfway through the sentence. Some of us today are looking at our addiction and we are, we are looking at our addiction as if it has authority over our life. Some of us are looking at our money as if it has authority over our life. Some of us are looking at our hurt and our pain as if it has the final authority and say on our life. Some of us are looking at our mistakes as if they have the final say and authority over our life. Some of us are looking at our future as if it is the final authority over our life. Can I tell you, 
Those things are not your boss. Jesus is the authority over your life, over every addiction, over every mistake, over every hurt, over every pain, over every part of your willpower, over every decision that you want to make. You are not the authority. The, the world is not the authority. The hurt is not the authority. Jesus is the authority. So today, we just pr- I pray that we would surrender as a church to the surrendered heart of Jesus, surrendered for us on the cross, that he might win us as children to the kingdom of God. The second thing is this, is that old school faith is about passion. Old school faith is about passion. Every, every, every old school thing you think of, some of your nostalgia is tied to the passion that went into whatever is old school for you. All right, I named a lot of music. Maybe for you, it's not music. Maybe it's like sports. I saw a guy. I'm not like a big football guy. You probably know that about me already by the fact that I look like a huge nerd. But I saw a guy in Safeway yesterday, and he had a, the old school Seahawks jersey, which I just think looks so cool. You know what I'm talking about? The little stripe on the sleeve. All my friends used to have them when I was a kid, and I was like, I don't want one of those. But I saw it. It looked cool. And it said Largent on the back of his jersey. <laughs> There's a kid at our church when I was a teenager. His name was Largent. He was named after Steve Largent. Maybe old school to you is that, right? It's the passion that you felt when you watched Steve Largent play football. But something in what is old school to you is tied back to a passion that you had. For some of us, it's Jailhouse Rock. Anyway. When I, when I was, just really quick, when I was a kid, my dad, we lived in a single wide trailer. And um, not, not for my whole childhood, but for a big chunk of it. We lived in a single wide trailer. And um, if you've ever lived in a trailer, you know that they are, they don't have fire hazards. They are fire hazards. It's kind of like living in a tin box of matches somehow. <laughs> And so my dad was, I love my dad. He's a very vigilant guy. It's one of the things I like just respect so much about my dad. He's vigilant. Uh, he, was, he was vigilant and disciplined growing up. And um, one of the things he was vigilant and disciplined about was safety. He did not want anyone to get hurt, which I'm very thankful for because I'm alive today. I had to wear a helmet, and, which is good. Not all the time, but like when I was skating and stuff, which is good. Probably should have worn one more. Anyway, um, but it was good because it like, you know, my, my head is mostly intact. Well, my dad was, my dad was concerned that there was going to be a fire. So like a week after Christmas one year in our single wide trailer, we always had like the cheapest real Christmas tree you could get. And uh, my dad waited this one year for the Christmas. And every year he would tell us, you know, if that thing dries out, it's going to go up in flames every year. Right. And it was never dry because he watered it religiously. But he'd be like, if that thing dries out, we're all going to die. Like, Thanks dad. That's good. And so he, he came into my room one time, me and my brother shared this tiny room, and he said, you guys, coats on now, outside. And I looked at my brother, and I was like, what did you do? So we go outside, and he, he sends it, he goes, go out to the fire pit. There was a fire pit on the property, so we walked out to this fire pit that was on the property the trailer was on. And he walks outside, he's a burly dude, five foot eight, five foot wide, and he's carrying a, he's carrying a Christmas tree like in one hand. He lumbers out there and he throws the Christmas tree into the fire pit and he goes, this is what can happen to a dried up Christmas tree. Takes a match, throws it, nothing. 
He looks at us like it's our fault. Another match. Nothing. Goes and gets a lighter. One of those long ones with the stem. This is what could happen to a dried out Christmas tree. Says it again. Nothing. Looks at us again like it's our fault, but... And then he looks at us, and I, I remember him saying this because it didn't make sense. He looked at us, he goes, don't go anywhere. Like we were going to run away because he turned, I don't know. And then he walks back up to the house, and me and my brother are like, I don't think it's going to go up. Like I think, I think he's been lying for all, for our whole lives. But he comes back out, right, just, and in his hand, Big old red can of gasoline. He takes a lighter and he goes, nothing. He looks at us, gives us a point again. And then finally, finally, he this is seriously how this happened. He goes, and the whole thing just all in less than two seconds is completely burnt to a crisp the flames were so hot were so i thought my face was melting off i say that i say that so that you would remember this illustration seriously as silly as it is so that we would remember this illustration when God's spirit really gets a hold of a church, a community, or a person, it lights up like that. It, he doesn't pour out gasoline. He pours out his spirit and his presence, and we light up with passion. Not a passion for more uh, emotional time, not a passion for more feelings, not just a passion uh, to sing, but a passion for the gospel of Jesus Christ, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us to make His us his own. A passion for the name of Jesus, that every name, that every tongue would confess and he would bow at the name of Jesus. A passion for the mission of God. Old school faith is about passion. The word prophesy here in Joel chapter 2, the word prophesy says your sons and your daughters will prophesy. That word prophesy in this context literally means to be overcome and overwhelmed with emotion by the spirit of God so that you have to speak. That's what the word literally means. In the Hebrew, that you would be overcome and overwhelmed by God's spirit on you and in you. That you cannot stop speaking of the goodness of God. I'm praying today that marriages would be prophesied into today. That if your marriage is hurting, broken, in danger, that if you are estranged from your spouse, that if you are hurt by your spouse, that there would, you would begin to be overcome by the goodness of God in your life, that when you were a bad wife to the groom Jesus, he died and gave his life for you. And out of that, you begin to prophesy life into your marriage, that it would come into the, uh, the alignment of the word of God, that there would begin to be people prophesying into the lives of their children. 
that grown children who are far from God, that we will begin to be overcome by God's love and care for lost sons. He was overwhelmed so much in the parable of the, of the lost sons that he ran out to greet his son. In Psalm 23, it doesn't say that the shepherd waits for his sheep. It says that he pursues us every day for the rest of our life, that we will be overcome and begin to prophesy the gospel into our children, into our children's children, into the teenagers in our community, into the people who are hurting and broken, into people who are sexually hurt and confused, into people who have been traumatized and abused, into people who have sinned and fallen short the same way that you and I have, into a world that is desperately dehydrated for a fresh outpouring of the Spirit of God. God, we just pray that today. We pray today, God, that you would just take one person in a workplace who would begin to prophesy over broken people. One person in a, man, I've seen, I've seen kids 10 years and under get changed by God and their families get changed by God. I've seen teenagers, the Holy Spirit poured out on them and the gospel invades their family. I've seen people in their 60s who've been divorced for 12 years get back together because the gospel is prophesying into their marriage and breaking or healing broken things and rebinding things that have been cut. I've seen addicts have their lives prophesied with the gospel into them that God is not done with them, has healing for them, died for them. I mean, it just takes one person who'll be overcome by the Spirit of God and would prophesy into a room, a workplace, a school, a life, a marriage, a family member. Because God's, God's old school faith is about the mission of Jesus. Old school faith is about mission. That mission, that mission is... In John 3, 16, that God loved the world so much that he gave his only son that whoever called on his name would not perish but have everlasting life. In Joel chapter 2, if you go on down past verse 28 and 29, I think it's in verse 32, it says, and in those days, in those days, Anyone who called on the name of the Lord would be saved. Anyone who called on the name of the Lord would be saved. Man, God's old school faith for us is about mission. In Luke chapter 19, verse 10, Jesus says this. He proclaims his mission. He says, for the son of man did not come, but to, he came to seek, seek and save that which was lost. Sorry, for the son of man came to seek and save the lost. There's another old school story about an old school musician. There's a guy named Johnny Cash. And he was addicted to pills. He was addicted to alcohol. He had ruined his life. He made a real mess of it to the point that his, his marriage was ended. His wife had left him. He barely had the capacity even to be sober enough to see his children. By his own admission, this is coming from his testimony. He said, I, I was hopped up on pills. I was drunk one day and I realized that my, wife, my life was worthless. 
He goes, so I drove out into the wilderness and I found a cave so that I could walk back into the cave where it was dark and lay down and die. He says, so I laid there waiting to die. And I began to hear the voice of God speaking to me. He said, one of my friends had been looking for me because it had been now more than a day. He said, it had been more than a day, over 24 hours that I've been laying in this cave waiting to die. He said, one of my friends was looking for me. So the second day I was there, I heard a voice calling, Johnny, Johnny, are you there? So he had a friend who came, found him at the, in the cave, called his name, came to him, helped him stand up and walked him back out of the cave and took him home so he could be nursed back to health. If you look at Johnny Cash's life, he's not a perfect guy. He wasn't a perfect Christian. But from that point on, his life had a new color to it. It was painted with the love of God's mission. He used to get together with an evangelist named Billy Graham and they would fill up stadiums using Johnny Cash's music to promote the event so that they could fill up a stadium with people who needed to hear the gospel so that they could tell people that God wasn't done, that he died for them so that he could raise them from death to life. And, 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 and that story is amazing, but just in case we think, oh, that's, that's a bygone era, that's old school, that used to happen in the 60s and the 70s, it doesn't happen now. Well, just a few years ago, there's a kid named Justin and the media hated him. Kids loved his music and news outlets loved to talk about how messed up he was. He flagrantly destroyed almost every aspect of his life. And God got a hold of this kid named Justin. His name was Justin Bieber. And God got a hold of him. And you know what happened after God got a hold of him? He met a pastor and he said, I want to do a music event where we use my, my name and my music to promote this event so that you can preach and we can fill a stadium with people who need to hear about Jesus. I'm just telling you that God's faith for us is about his mission for us. The faith that God wants to give us is about the mission that God has for us. And it doesn't stop with famous people like Johnny or Justin. But thankfully for me, it extends way beyond that. Because in the early 2000s, late 90s, there was a little girl named Brittany and her life was turned upside down and she didn't know what to do or where else to turn to and God invaded her life and saved her and gave her hope when she was hopeless and God took a young man named Darius who was angry and twisted and just was wrecking every area of his life and found me and said Darius I died for you I want to give you my grace I want to start fresh with you and God saved my younger brother And God began to save friends around me. And we look at this, and this is the church, is that you and me are the mission of Jesus. And so, yes, is out there in in the world, are they the mission of Jesus? Yes. But I also want to tell you right now, you are the mission of God. If you're hurting in this place today, you're God's mission. He came to your cave today to find you, call you by name like he did Lazarus, and call you out and say, wake up, I'm not finished with you. 
If you're in this place today and you've wrecked every area of your life, can I tell you something? You're not defined by what you've done, but you're defined by the work of Jesus who died on a cross, went to the grave, took the keys to hell, and resurrected on the third day so that you and I can have life. You're the mission of God. When we become and realize that we are Jesus's mission, and not just to save us, but you're God's mission today, next week, until the day you die, you are God's mission. When our old school faith becomes alive with the mission of God, God's church also becomes alive with the mission of God. It does not happen unless we receive the Holy Spirit of God. We're gonna dismiss, it's really late. Would you please stand with me? Before we dismiss, I guess I should say, we don't have security guards, so you can leave whenever you want. Talk to Greg about that when he gets back. Um, we don't have security guards. You can leave whenever you want. Can, I, can we just do this? I, we didn't do this in the last cutting. Would you, if you don't mind closing your eyes for just one moment, just to give everyone else in this room just a moment of privacy. None of this happens. Our heart does not even become alive to Jesus until we receive the outpouring of his Holy Spirit. God, we pray in your name that you would just pour out your spirit on your church. God, we pray that you would pour your spirit out on your church, that we would be, that we would be surrendered to you, that we would have a passion for what you have a passion for. God, that we would have a, a mission for what you have a mission for in Jesus' name. In this room with every eye closed, I just want to create a moment where you can respond to God without worrying about the person next to you. If you need the Holy Spirit to just invade your life today, to bring healing, to bring newness, maybe you've got bitterness you need to let go of, or maybe your faith has become stale and you need a fresh wind, a fresh outpouring of God's spirit today. All across this room, no one's around. Would you just lift up both your hands? I just believe right now that God wants to pour out his spirit in his church. God, right now with so many hands raised, we just beg that you would pour out your spirit, that you would pour out your presence. God, we, Holy Spirit, we ask that you would put anointing on every individual in this room. God, that you would speak through them, that they would, they would be compelled by the power of your presence to begin to prophesy and speak the truth and the grace and the life of the name of Jesus into their world. God, we pray right now that your Holy Spirit would aliven us to a passion for your word, a passion for your presence, a passion, God, uh, for, for obedience to you, a passion for healing in you, a passion for the wholeness of our soul, the shalom of our life. Like Hebrews says in, in chapter 12, God, our, our God is an all-consuming fire. God, we pray right now that you would come and you would burn us up. In Jesus' name. I just want to do this, and then we will we'll dismiss in about 60 seconds. I just want to wait on the presence of God right now.
God, I'm so thankful that in this room there there is a room full of sons and daughters that your spirit is going to prophesy through. Not foretelling the future, but speaking forward the truth of God, the life of God into a broken world. God, we prophesy over hearts in this room right now. We prophesy and we just speak healing into hearts that are broken. God, we speak forgiveness into hearts that are bitter. God, we speak refreshment into hearts that are tired. God, we speak calling into the lives of children of people in this room. From one day, from from conception to 90 years old, however those children are, God, we speak life, calling, that they would hear the voice of God and respond. God, we thank you. We thank you, Holy Spirit, for your continued perfect work. God, we pray that you would send us out as a church. And here's our benediction for today. Holy Spirit, pour out your, your spirit on us. Send us out whole and healed in the name of Jesus, ready to be on mission with you. Everybody said amen. You're dismissed. Guards, stand down.